Welcome back, Loyal Dogs of War, after a mini-episode that dropped... What the hell day did that drop? Tuesday? Is this three episodes in one week for us? Oh, three? We might do three and a half. Who knows? We're talking about a potential Sunday morning mini-stats segment where we're getting more statty than we normally do. We don't know if we can commit to that. We might. We might not. We have real lives, too. We have weddings that we're planning for. Granted, that's coming sooner or later. I'm not getting married, just for the record here. Kevin is... Yeah. On the mark. Well, now you're in a real, whatever you are. That is not for everybody listening's concern. You have a private life that will be respected. But anyway, point what, is, we're going to be doing tr- What Raleigh's trying to say is, we're going to have our weekly Wednesday episodes out the season's back, but we're going to be trying all sorts of random shit the entire season. You might like see some bonus mini episodes. Sky's the limit. Sunday mornings. We might try something one week, say a Monday morning thing this is a complete out of left field example and we might hate it after one week and never do it again or we might trust we might do it on monday morning after the browns like after only they win when you're like pumped because i just turned espn off like for a week or a couple of days after they lose but it's settle a little bit who knows sky's the limit send us your ideas we'll claim them as our own we're just gonna throw stuff at the wall uh, we like the, what we have going for the Wednesday episodes. We want to produce more content throughout the season. And so we're just going to be trying stuff all season long. So buckle up. I know I've said this now. It's our third podcast this week. So it's my third time saying it. But, yo, happy game week. Happy game week. And How game unreal is that? Like, and I, I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. After the six months of just – displeasure everyone has been going through from COVID to everything else happening in the world. I was craving sports to come back so bad, like everyone else, like most people. But it wasn't really until one, maybe two weeks ago, where it finally hit me like, oh shit, we are so close to football season, and now it's actually here. Tonight, we're recording this tonight, it's Thursday, you'll be listening to this Friday. We have a real football game on tonight. Real football game. Real the National Football, football League is playing on my TV tonight, and it's not a recording. It's a live game, and that is the happiest I've ever been to see football. Let's talk about Sunday. What are you most excited for? What are you most afraid for? I'm just excited to see the guys play. I'm so nervous for them with everything stacked against them. And When I say that, I'm talking about a rookie head coach who I have a lot of faith in, but Going into this with no preseason, a shortened training camp with a bunch of new faces, that's uh, that's not an easy task. I hope the Browns can show up, play their asses off, hopefully get the W, but not to sound like a little beta male, but it's not a game that they're supposed to win. This team's got a lot of learning to do, so I hope they can just make it a game and hopefully win. I mean, if they win, I'm going to be talking shit for like two weeks straight. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just trying to go into this season with my expectations as low as possible, contrary to every other season. 
seeing if that can jinx us into victory. For me, I think the thing I'm most excited for is, and again, not to be dick riding here, uh, Baker. I mean, he spent a lot of time this offseason working on his, just getting in shape, working on his body. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do now with Hooper, what he can do with, you know, year two with Odell. And obviously everyone else is still there, Chubbs, Landry. I think the thing I'm most scared of or concerned about is a lot of things you just said is, you know, you think about they were doing their installs over Zoom all summer long. It's brand new coach, brand new coordinators. It's Baker's like 50th coach and coordinator combinations. He got drafted a few years ago. So with very limited practice time they've had and no real game scenarios yet, don't miss me with the the brown and orange scrimmage thing. Um, I'm just afraid that we're going to get out to a slow start, but that's the same concern that every single team has. And it's not just going to be the Browns if that happens. So um, nonetheless, I am very, very, very pumped to see us kick that ball off. Shout out Scottish hammer Um, (laughs) and the rest and the rest of the fourth down crew. I would say that, this is the most confident I've been going to Baltimore in maybe ever since the Browns came back years ago. Yeah, and just uh, give you guys a little background on what I've done personally to help the Browns win. In my fantasy drafts, I have drafted no Browns players, contrary to previous years where I averaged like 65% Browns players. That should help. I'm going in with lower expectations than normal, which that – likely has an inverse relationship with how they actually do, so should help. Um, basically, any victories that the Browns obtain, you have me to thank partially. The thing with me and the Ravens is I have some psychological issues with them pent up from when I was just a young child. What happened to you, Kevin? Sixth grade, we did a project, Miss Russell's class, shout out Horseman Middle School. Sixth grade, we did something with the post officer the mailman, I don't know, whoever we did it through, each one of us in the class wrote a letter to another sixth grade class. And that class could have been anywhere in the country. We did not know where it was going. But we wrote a letter saying who we are, where we're from, what we love, and that we'd love to get letters back. And then we encouraged that class to do the same thing, right? It was like, remember the chain letters back in the day? Oh, yeah. Our whole class did it. And then on every envelope, or when we did it, we told the post office to just deliver this to any sixth grade classroom in the country. So it was going to be just a wild card. They could go anywhere and everywhere. And you weren't guaranteed, obviously, to get a class to send you back letters. You weren't guaranteed for it to even like end up anywhere. Anyway, I wrote a letter, of course, saying where I'm from, Cleveland, love the Browns, sixth grade me. Four weeks later... I come in to huge package on my desk and it was 30 letters from a sixth grade classroom in Baltimore, Maryland. Now this is directly after the Ravens won their first Super Bowl as a Baltimore Ravens. So every one of those letters had a goddamn team had Ravens stickers on it, had go Ravens at the bottom. It was thanking me for the team they have there. And that the Super Bowl was the highlight of their lives so far. So that's where my psychological issues come. Because back when I was just a little sixth grade me, I had to then be traumatized by another sixth grade, entire sixth grade classroom, writing me 30 individual letters saying how much they love their team, which used to be our team, just winning a Super Bowl. 
for me, that was the first big traumatic thing I remember as a Browns fan, other than the whole thing about them leaving. How the hell is that the first time I've heard about this? I don't know. Jeez, I'm sorry that happened to you. I forgot you about told it. anyone? You know what? We've always had uh, to go up against guys like Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, or for the Steelers, Troy Palomalo, and just studs on the defense that suck playing against. And now we're starting to get those guys of our own. So it's like, that's, that's where I was going to take this. That's where I thought you were going to take this. But the sixth grade uh, traumatization, that's significantly worse. I like where you're going with that. And I think one of the other reasons I'm so excited for this season and for Sunday's game is just that we haven't had in our lives or since we've been old enough to actually watch and understand what's going on, we've never had like players that we know are coming back on the team that we know are talented and have skill or perform. You know, how many times do we go in? We've never gone in saying, you know, we have a third year quarterback. Like we know who our quarterback is. We know what he can do. We know his potential is through the roof. We have a battle-tested stud all-pro running back in Nick Chubb. We have Jarvis. We have Odell. We have Njoku. We have, we have all these guys that – Don't you forget about Mr. Garrett. Of course, Garrett. You know what I mean, though? Like, we've never had, like, a core. or We've never had players we can count on that we know going into the season, we know what they're going to do and deliver. And that's what's so exciting is we finally have, like, that core, like you just said. Like, the Ravens have, you know, the Ed Reeds and, you know, all these other teams have their – they're franchise legends and centerpieces. And, yeah, we've had that historically, but this is the first time in a long time we have a, such a great core group that I can't wait to see kick off on Sunday. Oh, that gave me chill. I'm fired up. Let's freaking go. Predictions for Sunday. Are we doing it? Um, we've tried. There's so many different ways last season. Let's go. Uh, can we do the, the low prediction that jinx us into victory? Yeah. Okay. Um, Ravens 53. Browns, 13. I like that. Uh, I'll just say ditto. I, I think regardless, it's going to be a shootout. I really do think it's going to be a very close game. I want a competitive game so bad. I haven't seen many people at all, a handful doing this, but last season's game at Baltimore is last season's game at Baltimore. I love going in clear underdogs compared to last week or last year all the hype in the world. I love going in with a chip on their shoulder. Exactly. And uh, I like playing from behind, like from a figurative standpoint, not actually in the game, because that just gives me a heart attack. Oh, boy. Let's get into the interview. We bring on Jake Luke. Jake is a writer for BaltimoreBeatdown.com, which is a huge SB Nation Ravens site. He's also the host of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. Had him on to come on and chop it up. Talk about what to expect for Sunday, what the Ravens are looking like this year. Talk about their MVP, Super Bowl hopes, and a lot more. Uh, we got a new dope-ass song from Muccio. Uh, shout out, Muccio. It's Creed-themed. Sorry for ruining the surprise, but it's sick. I'm pretty jazzed for y'all to hear it. Let's get into it.
We now welcome on Jake Luke, a blogger for the Baltimore Beatdown, which is Baltimore Ravens blog. You can find that at baltimorebeatdown.com. He's also the host of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. Jake, welcome to the Dogs of War podcast. Let me on, guys. No, I appreciate you coming on, especially short notice. Uh, we'd love to start off just hearing a little bit more about your background. You know, how'd you start writing and getting involved with baltimorebeatdown.com and uh, how the podcast start too? Yeah, so uh, you guys kind of touched on how you like to approach it, just for, sort of from a fan perspective. I was kind of always one of those fans that was a little more plugged in than other people. So when I was in college, maybe like 2015, 2016, Baltimore Beatdown was a site I had been following, the SB Nation portal or whatever for the Ravens. Uh, they posted a link for writers. I had always kind of been pretty, you know, highly thought of my own writing skill, maybe a little bit too much at the time, honestly. But uh, I wrote in and um, Kyle, who's our editor right now, great guy, still work with him. He was the one who initially brought me on. So I think I was around a junior in college at the time. Just started doing it a little bit part time. And it's been pretty much the same thing ever since. I've graduated now. I have a full time job, but I still do it on the side. And uh, about so you guys have been doing this about a year. I've been doing it probably about a year and a half. So not that much longer. Uh, it was around the time we had a podcast going for a little while. Uh, the guy running it actually got a job uh, coaching college football. Um, so there was an opening. I asked Kyle, hey, can I start the podcast back up and sort of my own uh, iteration of it? And he said, yeah, man, go for it. So been pretty much full go ever since. Uh, got the opportunity to interview some great people, and uh, it's given me the opportunity to hop on with uh, fun guys like you from uh, rival fan bases to kind of chop it up a little bit. So it's been a pretty fun ride so far. You said – Big guess. I was looking at your Twitter. Talk about some of the bigger guests you guys have had on lately. We were talking offline a little bit. We had Ed Reed recently on. Uh, thanks a lot to Snickers for making that happen. They uh, reached out to us and asked if we you know, wanted to have 15, 20 minutes with Ed. Uh, any sane Ravens fan would not deny that opportunity. So we got to have him on. Some of the bigger names in the media, you might recognize uh, Will Brinson. He's getting absolutely yep. ragged on Twitter today for uh, predicting the Steelers to finish last on their CBS Sports stuff. So I've yep. been through the Baltimore Beatdown account, getting notifications all freaking day for that. He's probably the big, one of the bigger media names. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report, another good friend of the show. And actually, Mark Sessler, big Browns fan. He's come on a couple different times. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun getting to know a lot of these people. Uh, hey, Snickers, if you don't mind, can you hook us up with some Browns legends as well? That'd be nice. Yeah, I'd, bring Ed, I'd talk to Ed Reed too, man. I'd bring Ed Reed on. He's a yeah, monster. Yeah. Well, they, Snickers had Johnny Football for a little while, so you guys had a window there with him. One of the greatest Browns court. Oh, I don't even want to talk about Johnny football. What are some of the big headlines from the offseason for you guys in terms of transactions or coaching or anything at all? I mean, there's been a million at this point. I and mean, that's like in a pandemic year where like there's all this other stuff going on. Either. True. And so you got a lot of transactions going on. Trading for Calais Campbell, you know, you're only giving up a fifth round pick for a guy like that. Very strong. They signed Michael Brockers. It falls through because of a physical, like a failed physical with his ankle. So he was only with the team for like a day, then he's gone. He signed Derek Wolf basically as the de facto replacement and maybe even arguably a better signing there to line up across from Campbell. So those are your two big free agent acquisitions. They had a pretty damn good draft, I thought, uh, doubling down on a lot of positions. Like inside linebacker, you get like a Patrick Queen and a Malik Harrison there at middle linebacker. I think that's very strong couple, you know, young wide receivers out of the draft, a couple of linemen, so interesting draft. Big one, I mean, happened the other day, really. Thomas, I mean, had a couple headlines with him that were a little weird this offseason with uh, his whole shaggy situation there with his brother. And then... Um, <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, Earl Thomas, 
I don't even know how to explain that. There was a threesome. His brother was involved. His wife, like, he, a gun was pulled. I don't know. We so, have to go into uh, too allegedly. Much. Well, as far as the logistics of it, it turns out like it was reported. It was like a threesome at the time. It turns out it wasn't. They were in different rooms, but a gun was in fact pulled, and uh, lives were in fact in danger. Uh, he got out of there. You would think got free, but then it turns out that all this shit had been going on like behind the scenes between him and the organization going back even before that, and. Around the time that he got cut, it was after a practice fight. A lot of people just assumed, oh, he got in a practice fight and they cut him. What's the deal with that? Turns out they've just been kind of keeping the lid on the fact that this guy had been a malcontent for a very long time. And uh, him being let go is the culmination of all of that. And the fact that it came out all so fast for fans and media was very weird to digest. So here they are without their starting all pro safety heading into week one. It's a weird spot, but uh, you got to think, you know, team chemistry wise, it's probably a good move long term because his teammates were not a big fan of him uh, was the word. Were you aware, as somebody that's more involved than the casual fan, most diehard fans, that there were any red flags associated? No, no, not really. I um, So, apparently some people did know. So, actually, the Barstool Ravens writer is the guy who was saying when that whole fight broke out, he was like, this has been bubbling over for a while, and nobody had really heard anything about that. So, that was kind of weird. And uh, he's a guy I'm a little bit familiar with, so we were kind of talking about it. He was like, yeah, he's been skipping meetings, he's been doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm really not that connected within the building at all, so I wouldn't have been privy to that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it's a testament to the good job that they do to keep that kind of stuff in-house, but when it does all blow up like that at once, it's, it's a weird scene, man. Needless to say, a very Browns-like event that happened to the yeah. Ravens this offseason. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully they can uh, weather it and move on a little bit better than the Browns have been able to, too, with some of this stuff. But uh, listen, the Ravens have had their fair share of PR stuff, too, so I'm not going to sit on my high horse over here. <laughs> very true, very true. But uh, we're here for the positives today. Like I said in, when we were chatting earlier, we're just going to forget the last 25 years have never happened. Yeah, exactly. I, it tra- for the purpose of this podcast. Coincidentally, I was born in 95, so hopefully not, but, you know. Uh, back on the negatives is – Contrary to what Kevin just said, one of our uh, our center, J.C. Treader, he's involved with the Players Union, and he was pushing for the season to meet to be moved back because going from no practice, skipping a training camp, essentially no preseason, he's predicting a lot of injuries. Have you guys had any fluke freak injuries this off season? Yeah, I mean, like knock on wood, not really. Uh, there's been some. Like- nagging stuff and then I think some of the uh sort of fake injuries that you do to a rookie or whatever to throw them on IR and stash them but other than that I think thankfully not up to this point you know what there was one actually uh Iman uh Marshall Biggie Marshall is a uh, cornerback they got in the fourth round last year who a lot of people liked maybe moving to safety some people were thinking he uh I think had something happen to his knee so he's gonna be out for the year that would be the one big one that I could think of as a Ravens fan or I guess as Ravens fans in general when you think about you know, you see what happened to RG3's body. You see what happened to Kaepernick, you know, after he was uh, a very mobile quarterback and running quarterback for a long time. Are you guys constantly just on pins and needles? Yeah, man, it's definitely a little weird. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, um, especially like you mentioned some of those guys. You just see it happen growing up pretty much your entire life. But there are also some other positive examples of that, which, you know, you look at a guy like Russ Wilson, a guy like Cam Newton, He, you know, granted – He's playing for another team now, largely because of injuries, I think. But he, he managed to stay in Carolina for 10 years and have a really good career. So I think you it's kind of hard to look at a guy and think, is he going to be able to maintain this for 15 years or whatever? But, I mean, if you get a year like last year for 8 to 10 years, I think you would sign up for that 100% with Lamar. So that's pretty much 
what I hope Agreed. Uh, happen ultimately. But yeah, I mean, that freak injury thing, it can happen to any quarterback. And if you are throwing yourself out there in the line of fire a little bit, you know, it does increase the risk ultimately. So it's just sort of a math thing. But uh, we were talking a little bit offline. I mean, he does, I think, do a good job of protecting himself. And, you know, it's pretty much uncanny compared to where he was as a rookie, where he was just getting into some of these car crash hits. Seems like something that he's been working on a lot. And he uh, does sort of value his long-term health, I think. So um, it's it's definitely a weird balancing act as a fan. But, uh, you know, it's just what you sign up for, I guess. But if there's a broken play and he turns on the Jets, what's going on? Is it like anxiety that goes through you? Or is it like, oh, yeah, turn it on. Let's go. Or nervousness? Or are you pumped up? You know, it depends on where you're at in the game. So I think, like, if you look at a game where he's, like, down and it's, like, a team like the Titans, they're just getting physically dominated. It's like, oh, shit, man. Like, you know, let's not go too crazy here. Try to get this, you know, third and 13 when you're down by however many points. It's not worth it. But you look at a game like Seattle, he's taking off every other play. He runs for, like, over 100 yards and just, like, ices a game in that fourth quarter running all over them. And then you look at a game like, Cincinnati last year where they're just shit pumping the Bengals and Paul Brown stadium takes off spin move touchdown. It's like, you kind of don't even think in the moment you're just like, all right, you know, try and make something happen. And um, if you don't, then don't get hurt. Two off seasons ago, they were saying Lamar's a freak athlete. He can run like no one else, but he can't pass that well. And then that off season, he worked on his passing and really nothing else. Then came back last year, and people are like, oh, shit, this guy can pass now too. What is there that he still needs to work on if he can obviously run better than most people, if he's got the throwing, you know, progressing better? What are some things, if any, that people still look at him and say, I wish he'd work on that, or he needs to get better there? Man, that's a good question. It's not really one that I think of too often coming off a season like the one that he had. It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not going to sit here and whine about it too much, but yeah, man, I think maybe just getting a little more patient on certain plays. Sometimes he, he doesn't necessarily look to run, but he looks to make something happen behind the pocket when there's not necessarily a ton of pressure around him, being able to go through reads, being able to be patient, especially when the game does start to get out of hand. You look at that Titans game, he threw for a lot of yards in that game, but sort of the problem was there was a little bit of frantic energy going on. He was trying to make a play too much. They go for a fourth and one, he gets stuffed. So I think when things start to get out of hand, just kind of keeping a cool head and, uh, you know, being a little more patient, that's a little bit more of a meta answer than something sort of schematic or like tangential that I can break down for you. But that's off the top of my head, the one thing I can think of. Last year, people were talking Super Bowl. I mean, you guys are right up there and, you know, definitely were good enough to go, but it's football and shit happens. With how close you guys are, how well you guys did last year, this year, what is the ceiling? Are you guys saying Super Bowl or failure? Are you saying conference championship or failure? What is the expectations this season for the Ravens from you guys? You know, it's a little weird. I think in the national media, uh, you know, mindset, it's Super Bowl. I think for a lot of Ravens fans, they just want to win a playoff game and get that monkey off of Lamar's back. Harbaugh's are obviously already done, and he's already got a Super Bowl ring. So it's kind of not really a concern head coaching-wise, but for all the talk that Lamar does about wanting to go and win a Super Bowl, it's like, all right, but maybe let's settle down and get ourselves a playoff win here before we start talking that big. So, I, you know, I, I'd love to sit here and say that I expect them to just, you know, steamroll through the league, go to the Super Bowl, and, uh, you know, get the thing done. But for right now, I kind of just want to see Lamar continue to learn and uh, get himself a playoff win and continue to season himself a la the way Joe Flacco was winning playoff games every year, and then that finally cultivated him or culminated in him getting a Super Bowl win. I kind of want to see Lamar sort of 
take a similar path and uh, eventually get it done and uh, put too much pressure on him to go out and do it this year. You guys have a couple of young Buckeyes on the team. You have Malik Harrison and J.K. Dobbins. Have you been keeping tabs on them? Yeah, I don't know if you guys are Buckeye fans at all. Um, J.K. Dobbins has been impossible not to keep tabs on him. He's been, you know, I mean, every team is doing these camp highlight videos and stuff, and especially this year with no preseason, he's been the guy just absolutely dominating them, and it's just been, you know, making you think a little bit like, damn, this guy is going to be something right away. And it's funny because they did the uh, depth chart release recently, and he came out as number four, and a lot of the number four running back, and a lot of people were kind of freaking out a little bit. Like, what does this mean? It's like, that's just Harbaugh being Harbaugh. Like, the guy's going to be making plays from day one. You don't draft a running back that highly in round two, not two. So I think uh, Dobbins is going to be a beast, and he's probably not going to be number one running back, at least not right away this year with Mark Ingram still in the picture. But I think very soon that guy is going to be running all over the league. And then Malik Harrison, pretty strong from what I understand. Not a whole lot of share for him to go around right now with Patrick Queen having that starting mic spot. But I expect him to get in there a lot and run stuff in roles especially. And, uh, yeah, I think he those, those two are going to be a very strong tandem for a while. So very excited about those two Buckeyes that they got. I love keeping tabs on Buckeye players in the NFL wherever they go. But And I'm not, I don't get upset when they don't get drafted by the Browns. I swear I don't. But I swear there's a 98% chance if there's a player that I particularly like, he's getting drafted by the Ravens or the Steelers. It every, time. every time. Are Ravens fans even entertaining the thought of not winning the division? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, yeah, I think most of them think that at least 11-5, and five, that's my prediction, is they go 11-5, and five, win the division. Um I think it's going to be a strong division this year. I think the teams are going to beat each other up. I mean, people say that every year, but I'm expecting a little bit of a shift. I don't know if we're going to touch on predictions at all, but I do think the Browns are probably going to be a wild card team. I think they're going to split with the Browns, split with Pittsburgh. I think they ultimately take the division, like I said, at 11 wins there. But um, for the most part, from what I see, Ravens fans seem pretty pretty locked into the idea that they're going to win the division, which is kind of a nice change. I mean, they were in mediocrity for a while, and I think Ravens fans did a decent job accepting that. Um, so seeing them actually have a little bit of uh, juice setting into a season for once is nice. When we think of Ravens, at least when I think of the Ravens, the first things that usually come to mind are Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, who thank God we don't have to see either of them anymore. Nowadays, besides Lamar, who are some of the studs on either side of the ball? Your guy Baker's favorite target in college, Mark Andrews, uh, obviously doing a tremendous job coming in. As a third-round pick at tight end, he got picked behind Hayden Hurst at the same position, beat him out. Aiden Hurst now in Atlanta. So uh, Mark Andrews is a beast. He's probably Lamar's favorite target. Another favorite target of Bakers in college, Hollywood Brown. I'm expecting to have a very good season. He was very good last year. In the time he saw the field, he was a little banged up, but uh, he's fully healthy now. So he's great on offense. And then flipping to the defensive side of the ball, Marcus Peters is probably the bigger name. Uh, he gets a lot of you know interceptions, big plays, scores a lot of touchdowns. But on the other side, I think Marlon Humphrey is the better cornerback. He's probably one of the top three or four corners in the league. I don't know if a ton of people really think about him that way or really realize that, but I think that's true. A guy that came in at strong safety last season was uh, Chuck Clark. He was a six-round pick, I believe, in 2017. Uh, he had to step in for Tony Jefferson last year when he got hurt, and uh, he was just actually like really phenomenal. He um, was the guy who eventually got the green dot on his helmet, so he's communicating throughout the defense, calling all the plays. Just wound up being an extremely underrated young leader on that defense. He's a guy that you know, you talk about Marlon Humphrey being underrated. I don't think anyone really knows who Chuck Clark is, and I think he's a key cog on this defense. Baltimore Ravens, you know, per 
per usual, you guys are pretty strong all over the place. Where do you see us matching up well on Sunday, and where do you see us not? So with Thomas being gone, it's a little bit weird because if you look at Baker's next-gen stats, he throws over the middle of the field, deep middle, exceptionally well. So I think that's going to be tested. And then if you look at Kevin Stefanski's offense from Minnesota, a lot of stuff where it's play action, it's stretch to the left and right, it's toss to the left and right, play action, bootleg, cut the field in half, and you got a wide-open guy. So I think it's going to be a lot of that, trying to victimize the safeties a little bit. Got plenty of strong players there in Cleveland with uh, Landry, with Beckham, with you bring over a Austin Hooper from Atlanta. I think he's going to get uh, a lot of target share this year. He might have himself a nice game on Sunday. David Njoku still in the picture. I mean, there's just plenty of guys that can take advantage, I think, of what Kevin Stefanski's trying to do. There's a lot of athleticism on the Ravens defense as well after this offseason, some of the guys they brought in. But uh, ultimately, I think it's going to depend on Patrick Queen and his ability to key up on the running backs and not get a little bit too lost in the fog with the way play action is going to play out. I think if he can kind of Stay in his assignments a little bit, then the Ravens will be solid on defense. But uh, as a rookie with no preseason, kind of getting thrown into that starting lineup right away, uh, you're kind of hoping it's not going to be a baptism by fire with uh, Stefanski, a guy who I'm high on uh, being able to pick on a little bit. Here's to our impressive players that we have not seen play before. When you look at the Ravens' schedule for this upcoming season, what are some of the key games you have circled, whether it's I want to stomp that team, if there's bad blood, if it's going to be an easy win? I guess what are some of the games that you're thinking about the most? The barometer game, I think, is Kansas City Week 3 at home in prime time. That's going to be huge. Ravens fans done a lot of chirping at the Chiefs over the last couple of years. I've tried to abstain from that because until you can beat them, you can't. And uh, until they do, I'm not going to pick them too. So, Welcome know. to my life, our life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, spoiler, I'm not picking them to win that game in week three, but it's going to be a huge barometer test for whether they're ready to really take that next big step, I think, at least whether they have a great game with them or not. Uh, you're always circling the Steelers. I mean, they got a Thanksgiving game with them in Pittsburgh this year, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And Browns, man, Browns in Cleveland. I think that's going to be a big game as well within the division. Um, I think with it being in Baltimore this time around, I'm a little more confident. But uh, even, you know, when the Browns have weak teams, the Ravens have had trouble going in there and totally shutting the door. So that's another big one. You got some tough away games, too. I mean, you got the Colts in Indy. You got the Houston's in uh, in Houston. Uh, the Houston's in Houston. You got the Texans in Houston. And you got the Eagles in Philly. So there are a couple tough away games that I'm looking at as well. But, uh, yeah, some people say it's an easy schedule. I think it's maybe around that intermediate kind of mark where you got some games you're confident in. Other ones, it's kind of a coin flip. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, it's going to be a fun one, I think. Me and my buddies, we go to an away game every year. We try to tie it in with the nicest spot to go and the most likely spot the Browns are going to win and just always backfires. I'm just going in with as low expectations as possible. Hopefully that will jinx us into Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I've been hoping to get out to Cleveland for a game. Maybe avoid the Muni lot, but to get out, get out there. It's a, uh, a nice thing. No, no, go to the Muni lot. Just don't wear a Ravens jersey. Okay. okay. They're not that bad. I mean, the Muni lot is, you know, a third world country come noon on a game day. So, I like to hear. There's other that to go other than the Muni lot. But yeah. And I say that with the utmost respect and pride, by the way. Um, yeah, it sounds great. Earlier you said your prediction for the season is 11-5. and five. What are your thoughts on Sunday? So Sunday, I'm expecting a close win. I think the Ravens are favored seven and a half. I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns to cover that. Uh, I had it 30-24, to 24, so I'm expecting a little bit of a shootout. I think these defenses are going to be kind of sluggish. I think offense is easier to translate over into game day success anyway these days. So defense is not having a ton of practice, being a little bit slowed down. Both teams have pretty good weapons. I expect it to be a shootout. 
Um, and I'm not totally sure whether I expect the Ravens to score a late touchdown or the Browns to score a late one for a backdoor cover. But, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a close six-point game, 30-24, to 24, both teams. Walk away feeling okay about where they're at. Actually, I had some off-topic shit. Uh, what's your favorite season of The Wire? Season one guy. Um, I think it just sort of sets the tone, and it does pretty much everything else that the show does, but it does it probably the best. Season two, I think uh, it's kind of a cliche at this point that it's too much hated on. I think everyone kind of likes that at this point, and you know, it's a kind of a cliche to be like, oh, season two wasn't that bad. I think everyone knows season two isn't that bad. So season two is good. And then, um, yeah, three is pretty strong as well. I thought it was kind of similar to one a little bit. Was three the schools, or was that New Amsterdam when they legalized drugs? Yeah, schools was four, Hamsterdam was three, and then mm-hmm. I haven't seen season five still, so I have to get around to that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know, it's it's weird, but apparently like everyone says it's not that great, so I just haven't gotten around to checking it out. For those of you that haven't seen The Wire, it's a show based in Baltimore about the Baltimore drug trade. It's pretty incredible, highly recommend it. Thank you so much, Jake, for your time. Yeah, sure thing, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, once again, thank you to Jake Luke, blogger for Baltimore Beatdown. Find that at BaltimoreBeatdown.com or at Twitter, at Jake Luke. That's J-A-K-E-L-O-U-Q-U-E. Did I get that right? And that's all for this week. We got a big game, the season opener, on Sunday in Baltimore. We'll see you after. Good night, Cleveland. There's a home.